Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy Friday. This is Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News. For Take Two, I am here with Greg Hughes and Mara Carabello. Uh, This was a good week for me. I don't know why, but it went by so fast. The last few weeks, I've been like, oh my gosh, longest weeks of my life. So hopefully you guys had quick weeks too. Greg, I've heard though, maybe you didn't have as nice a weekend as as I did last week. I had a very, very traumatic experience. Do you want to tell us or no? Uh, I I will try to say it uh, tactfully because it's his family uh, radio, I would think. Um, (laughs) There's a, there is a real health crisis um, that is as bad as anything I've ever felt. Eczema? (laughs) <laughs> kidney stones. Uh, I've heard about kidney stones, but nobody ever gave the depth of pain and agony and misery that those monsters are. And if we're going to have an Operation Warp Speed on anything, we should be eradicating kidney stones from the face of the earth because this thing is straight up evil. How many did it, you have? Two. So I, twins, good. And uh, <laughs> twins. Let stones. me tell you something. It. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know know what to do because I was just, my back was hurting. I was sweating like crazy. And then the pain after a few days starts to localize or become more specific. And then I could Google, why does this feel like it's why does my swimsuit area hurt? Why do I feel like I've been, been, you know, had something, there there was kidney stones. And then it was the next morning when, I, I asked Krista if she heard me in the bathroom because it was a it was a, a painful moment. She said she heard a yelp, is what she said. Wow. A yelp. A You're yelp. stronger for it. I'm glad you made it a through there. A plaintive wail. It is it is the worst thing, and no one has ever adequately described it in its in its true. People sense. say it feels it like is, childbirth. I don't know. I've had natural childbirth. <laughs> I haven't had kidney stones, so I can't compare. I will never That's go there on the childbirth side. I don't know what that would be like, but I will tell you this: it's like this passing was, a kidney stone. This is this is a. <laughs> This is an unnatural, demonic possession of private parts, and it's just the worst thing that's ever happened. Well, I'm glad that your man bits are better, and oh. we're all back here you're together. Looking I'm still a little fatigued. I don't know if I look tired, but it's, I'm still well, you're, not you're totally You're clutching over. a rock star, so I, I feel like that's good. <laughs> but it's punch. There's no carbonation in this because they said the carbonation might have caused it. Do you think that maybe your beverages caused this? I don't wow, know. Wow, I'm fa- 240 milligrams of caffeine. At this point, it's pointless of how much. I just need something that isn't carbonated for fear that that would come back. Well, I'm glad you guys are both here, and I know that we've got to get you out the door because you're heading back to the Hill to talk um, important issues. But before we get to the legislative session, a couple of things I wanted to talk about on a national level. The RNC is meeting for their winter meeting in uh, Utah, in Salt Lake City this week, partially to get an idea of whether or not the uh, Republican National Committee should meet here um, for the next presidential election, which I think would be exciting. I don't know where our chances are in that. Uh, Greg, have you been at that meeting at all, or ruffians like you not allowed? They don't, they, they don't let me in there. They, okay. They, they, they'd it's like it to be an orderly, orderly meeting, and uh, 
they don't think I would. Yeah, they're saving you that. for the main stage. But they are sure. making headlines because today uh, they officially voted to censure um, two members. And the interesting thing is, is I didn't realize that that was happening or the vote was because I saw uh, Senator Mitt Romney tweeting about it this morning, and I was like, wait, what's happening? But he says, um, let me find his tweet here. He wasn't happy about it, so he said. Shame falls on a party that would censure persons of conscience who seek truth in the face of vitriol. Honor attaches to Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger for seeking truth, even when doing so comes at great personal cost. He was actually up for a censure vote just in the Utah um, meetings, I think back in May last year. It came up for a vote. Uh, it was shy. He was booed instead. Is this a big deal, though, on a national stage? Because it sounds to me, Mara, like they could it's pull funding local. at this point. I mean... You know, first, hear, hear, Mitt Romney. Second, yes, Republicans, keep eating your own. Spend all your time yelling at each other. Good job. Because, you know, traditionally, smart parties would look at the midterm and look at the weakness that the Democrats have as a perceived weakness, and they'd go at them. But, you know, you guys keep keep going at each other. Um, This is much ado. I, I think this is not where they should focus. But what it clearly shows is what we also heard this week, that Trump has more in his coffers than the RNC does. So, yeah, the party was never going to support these two. The the party um, apparatus had long ago abandoned these two, although they're both raising money well, particularly Liz Cheney. But I, w- I will just say it just shows, I think, that Trump has the power right now in the party. Which is interesting because I think they had a choice of which way they wanted to go. And Ronna McDaniel, if people don't know somehow, is the niece of Senator Mitt Romney. And I think people have been watching to see, you know, is she going to back uh, the Senator Romneys of the world or the Liz Cheney's that, you know, sometimes go against the party on the votes or will they go the opposite direction? And they went... Well, and they don't go against the party. Let's be clear. They go against Trump. And those are slightly different things. Um, But all of these elected officials vote with conservative values like 95% of the time. So it's not a question of their conservative ideology. It's a question of their politic on Trump. It's it's pretty simple. The, 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 The process that they're going through in this January 6th commission is not one that any one of us anyone would want to be uh, put through because it is one-sided. It's not looking at hard uh, questions about what happened on January 6th more broadly. It's all focused on Trump uh, by anti-Trump uh, lawmakers. Isn't it better and to have some of your team in the meetings, though, so you know what's going on? It would, talk, but you know, when Jim Jordan gets booted off and others that, that would ask probably harder and more broad questions about other, other issues and other curiosities or other inconsistencies about that day, I'll just say this. If Mitt Romney was the subject of this inquiry and its scope of work was as narrow as it's been towards President Trump, but it was towards Mitt Romney, he would find nothing honorable about that commission. He would find nothing good to say about it. And those that wanted to play along with that commission and its narrow and targeted focus, he would not consider it fair. And so I w- I'm just going to say that I, I think it's well within the right of the RNC to, to notice that, to censure those that want to play that game. But you cannot call what they're doing there a real effort to get to the bottom of the, of the facts or the truth because there are questions they don't want to answer. They're only interested in the, in the questions and the, in the narratives that would make Donald Trump look like a werewolf or a monster. I don't know which. All right. Well, your Sunday invitation to the Romney household, I think, has been revoked. It's been revoked. Yes. Dang it. I know. Before... 
Before we get into the legislative session, uh, Mara came in ready to talk football, and I'm like, football, Mara, what is happening? But the Miami Dolphins, uh, former coach Brian Flores has been making headlines, and the thing that shocked me the most yesterday, I guess there were several things that shocked me, that he's going up against a pretty big giant, and I was flabbergasted when I heard that he was paid $100,000 or offered $100,000 a game to throw the game so they could lose and then have higher uh, picks in the trade. I'm like, what? This happens? Yeah, that's for soccer. That's what I say. That's for, <laughs> that's soccer. for soccer. So uh, what's interesting about this, why I wanted to bring it up is um, Brian Flores is 40 years old. He's had a great deal of success. He's a talented young coach. And I just really respect that he is throwing down about a perceived inequity that he sees. I also think it's nice that he hasn't been trotting it out. Like he's going in with his people and I'm diming out my own team right now. The Broncos are one of the people that are listed on this. Apparently John Elway shows up a day late dollar short disheveled hair, perhaps a night of partying. And when you look at the, this is not, well, Greg should decide, but I don't think this is right. I don't think this is a political issue. I do think it's interesting that for generations most football players have been black or brown people and the fact that there's only one coach um it begs to to say what's the system now what happened is several years ago they put into place um a procedure that that required um organizations to interview at least one diverse coach one black or brown although coach. no one wants to be the token diverse coach that and this is up. what he's arguing he he got famously a text message from belichick saying hey congrats and the guy sent it to the wrong person and so they had awarded a job that he was interviewing for the next day they had already told the coach the who got the white coach who got the job that he had had it and so clearly it was um, in name only, and and I think it brought to his attention how orchestrated the merit was here. And yeah. one of the things I want to point out is this is a merit based. This is a coach who turned around an organization, had two winning seasons. So we're talking just straight up merit and a closed system. And I just really appreciate at a time where he could easily pull down six, seven figures for the next twenty years, ask no questions, and have an exceptional life. And he is willing to stand up. And I like that he's not yelling and screaming. And I like that he's smart and confident, and I just want to appreciate what he's doing. He's well-spoken. Yeah, so it is crazy. The, so the background is, it's um, because I'm a Steeler fan, I grew up in Pittsburgh, the Rooney rule, the Art Rooney. Uh, uh, it was Dan Rooney, actually, that, that helped push a, a rule within the NFL. Uh, Dan Rooney's now deceased, but uh, that would require every NFL franchise, when interviewing for a new head coach, to interview uh, a coach of color uh, in that process. Now, when you when you create automatic standards like that, where you have a box you have to check, check the fear is it's perfunctory that it's not actually a genuine interview that it, that you may just interview those people because that's now the new rule you have to, and so you're going to go do it. You'd hope that's not the case, but it, it could be received that way. You just don't know how uh, NFL teams and and their owner ownership are going to handle that. Well, then it becomes official that it was nothing more than a box to check when they hire a, a coach. Uh, and then Bill Belichick from the, the New England Patriots, who's always lurking somewhere in some shady NFL with the moment, whether it's Spygate <laughs> yeah. or it's Inflategate or it's this now with his that that shirt he wears, that cutoff hoodie he wears Craig, everywhere. This we share, we share. Yes, this. he's always lurking somewhere. This Belichick, he sends Flores, Coach Flores, a congrat. Hey, congratulations, you got the job. And then that's the he goes, "Are you sure you're saying that to the right person? <laughs> I haven't interviewed yet." 
oh, I messed up. I'm sorry. It, uh, that text was meant for someone else, which told this coach that that decision had already been made. So he goes there for an interview when it's just pageantry and it's not real. And he I was would show up like those an things. explosive firecracker right. in that yes. office. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so it, it, the, the fear of the Rooney rule is now, I think, been confirmed by at least some that are not taking it seriously and really go- exploring all candidates uh, for coach for head co- for the head coach position, and I agree with Mara. I think for him to stand up and to show, and he's got the text. I mean, there's there's a whole lot you can't refute about his experience about whether the the pick was already made, the choice for new head coach, and then he comes in after the fact so they can say they interviewed a black coach. It's 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 really a, it's a sad deal, and I think he's bringing attention to it, and he's doing it in a way, as Mara pointed out, where he's not trying to saber rattle and he's not trying to draw himself more attention. And I do think there's going to be a professional cost and a detrimental cost uh, to him for doing this. So you don't this. think he'll coach again? I would hope he would, but I could see why uh, there are those that would Or he'll have to take a longer path. He may have to go to the college level. He may be an assistant. I mean, I think good talent, hopefully. And I think there's a group of people who will admire and look at him. Yeah. Um, but I think it is a harder path to now pick him up as a head coach in the NFL right away. He's, he's also pointing out that the, the owner of the Miami Dolphins – wanted to offer him money to lose games. And then he also wanted to meet with a, a, a what would ultimately be a free agent quarterback, but there there's rules when you're not allowed to speak to those players. And this owner wanted to break those rules and meet with this quarterback with uh, Coach Flores, and he refused to do it because it would break the rules. And he's disclosing that now, that this owner wanted to do that. And so if you're an owner and you think, wow, this guy will throw an o- the ownership under the bus if they do something wrong and – he knows about it. That that could have a chilling effect on his uh, his prospects. But I honestly, and I'm not being Pollyanna. I hope integrity and the way this man has approached this issue, but his job as well, because he never had a losing season with the Dolphins. Both of those two seasons he coached, they were winning seasons, and that's a team that did not have winning uh, seasons. Yeah. I hope that that carries the day at some point. I think it's going to take some time, but I hope it does carry the day. I'd like to see more Coach Flores like people out there, whether it's in politics or private business or in big pharma who see things that are going on like this, and we know they're going on behind the scenes of all kinds of, to come out, say what's happening, let's fix the problem and move on because I find it quite honorable when they are willing to come out and do that. So I'd love to see that. Speaking of not honorable sometimes, China, who um, <laughs> did make that subtle enough? It is the 20th anniversary of Utah's 2002 Winter Olympics, which is a big celebration. And the Olympics are getting underway officially tonight. Yesterday, the competition started. Are you, either of you big Olympics watchers? Greg, I'll let you go first. What's your What's your um, uh, I've, I've sport been. of choice? It's hit and miss. I mean, I do. I like the hockey, and I I I. I do every four years. I used to get into the figure skating thing too. I used to think those, you know, the way they flipped around there and everything was pretty cool. The but that explains then, yeah. the spandex. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you know, what do we mean explain the spandex? There's a <laughs> spandex going on in here. So just your baby elastic waist pants. Yeah. So pins yeah. you went on so for pandemic season. I used to watch that stuff, but I, I really don't like this Olympics and and the, and the circumstances surrounding what we're going through right now uh, with the Olympics happening. And I, you know, if you're not going to send your, uh, your delegation of, of leaders and you're not going to 
Send if you're gonna if it's a soft boycott, it it just taints it. So I'm not gonna be a big. Well, I'm not gonna watch any of it. Well, the whole thing stinks because we have these athletes that literally train mm-hmm. their whole lives, and sometimes you have one window to go do it. So you want them to be able to go compete, but it's frustrating because we're sending them to a country where you know if you say something that isn't allowed, you could be held accountable under um, China's law. Uh, Senator Mitt Romney, who obviously was very involved in the Olympics here, said, you know, we shouldn't. Be, the IOC should, should not have, have ever given them the Olympics. Uh, how do we stop doing stupid stuff like this? Because, yeah, we're shining a light on a country that has so many millions of amazing people, but their government probably doesn't deserve an attaboy right now. Yeah, I mean, it is hard because it's not only just the genocide with the Uyghurs, it's these towns that are being shut down for COVID. I mean, what they're doing to their community to host the Olympics is is just egregious. And you pointed out the rub, though, is you've got these athletes who have worked so hard. And how do you support athletes? Not just American athletes, but everybody. Um, and how do you, do you watch NBC? Do you give them the ratings? Do you, do you, because I, and I say the, the company, because that's a part of the mix yeah. of watching it. And I think, um, one, Greg's right. I think that there's space, but I do think there's space to support the athletes. Something I think we can do that none of us will, and I wonder why, is I think we can, and particularly Utahns, might be able to talk to the Utah Olympic Committee about, we should be talking to the um, U.S. Olympic Committee about what will we do in the future. Because when it's happening, when Biden had to make the decision, um, yeah. What we know from former Olympics with Reagan, you, if you withdraw, it doesn't tend to do much with the politics. So what do you do at the moment? I think the split the baby and have the diplomatic um, boycott made sense, but we have to stop it from happening. So we need to start talking, and as a state that cares about the Olympics more than other states do, I think we need to start insisting on it. It certainly, in my mind, makes a case for picking, dedicating two or three countries, and it, they rotate. I mean, it may not be as interesting, but then we can pick countries that, by and large, everyone is comfortable with. I think the um, Olympic, um, International Olympic Committee is hiding behind the, we don't do politics, but we all know that's a lie. It's a lie, right? So you can pick countries Mm -hmm. that don't have histories of egregious um, rights violations, (laughs) and maybe it's time to pick a few and rotate them. Yeah, and sometimes we're picking countries that we bankrupt them too. They'll go in and they just don't have the money to pull it off. And then you see the video, I'm surprised they even made it out of China, but you um, referenced what they've been doing to make it happen. But there were some videos that came out of China where it looks like a concentration camp. They're like these little boxes that they're taking even children from their homes, not even if they have COVID, but if they've been exposed and put them there for three weeks and treat them like prisoners. And they're in these boxes by themselves. They've got, you know, kind of robotic hands pushing food through to them. And people are getting so lonely and stressed and anxious Mm -hmm. in there that they're like making these like little caca bird noises. It's wow. awful watching the videos because they're just going insane in these boxes by themselves. And I'm like, why is this happening? Why are we doing this in the yeah. name of unity? I mean, ironically, all the values that the Olympics are supposed to bring together just get wiped out when they choose these countries. And so I, for me, I think the answer is right now, let's start petitioning the um, American Olympic U.S. Com- committees to say, why doesn't America lead right now on who they choose next? Absolutely. And why don't we protest four and five, ten years out when we know these cities are chosen? Why don't at that yeah. point we say we won't support them? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And Senator Romney, I thought, um, he spoke to, I think it was at the Washington Post a couple of days ago, um, and he said... 
we have the International Olympic Committee awarding games to authoritarian states that use the Olympics as a platform for propaganda, which threaten the free speech rights of our athletes. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is that this is great propaganda for China because they're going to pull it off. That's they, right. They're going to put on a great game. So we're going to see that on TV. But is that really what we want? And it really is a propaganda film, much like we're hearing out of Russia right now in the Ukraine. So yeah. yep. we're just giving them free advertising. I'm not watching it. I'm not going to watch it. I, I think for all those reasons, I, I feel bad for the athletes, and the athletes are the ones that ultimately are victimized when you have a these games, and there's a there's a, a, a dark cloud over it. It's not fair to the athletes, but then again, what else do you what else do you do? Well, you don't you don't support China because yeah. you, you feel so bad. Well, for and them. what we can I do is at what least I can't do that. It's what Heidi's do. We can celebrate the local Olympians. Local broadcasts can highlight them, and yeah. we can still, particularly in Utah, where we have so many Olympians who live here, we can still you know shine a light on what they're doing. But the, the rate, if it has great ratings, it will contribute to a bad decision that, that it wasn't so bad. Right, and I yeah. and that's what I that's the part that I think is. Uh, you know, we can say we we hate what they did, but we're going to watch anyway. If it gets high ratings and it's a very right. and it's a success and a commercial success, then there's no lesson learned. I mean, yeah. we can we can just all say we really hate it, but at the end of the day, it made it made financial sense and everything else. Then what may, what it right. made it was what still desirable. The IOC right. to change, make sure they don't do something because like clearly that. money is the answer to what motivates the IOC. Yes, it exactly. really <laughs> is the truth. So, and, and ratings are, are revenue. And I That's probably it. am not uh, the best to weigh in on this because my preference is always that people don't watch the Olympics and they watch KUTV instead. But <laughs> but I well, do know I, it's good I, family I'm, programming. I'm on that side. I yes. know I felt guilty when I, I I just called out another broadcast station. I know, Sorry. and it's not. But I indicted them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, we got to talk about the Utah legislative session, which is. What? Well, they've got a month left, I think, as of today. So there are 30 days left of the work and the excitement <laughs> that they can provide. Uh, there's been a lot of education bills, and I'm particularly interested in why it's happening right now because sometimes things bubble up. My gut feeling right now is that maybe the pandemic has frustrated us in how schools are working and what, say, parents do and don't have, and maybe that's where some of these bills are coming from. But we're looking at school vouchers that I think it was about 10 years ago were kind of up for debate, killed. Um, we're also talking about parents being able to sue their school districts, um, all kinds of things going on um, that really deal with schools and how we deal with them. Mara, are these bills important? Are they really a reaction, maybe a knee-jerk reaction to the frustration we're feeling with the pandemic mess that's put on our schools. Do you mean why does the legislature hate our teachers? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, why, I think I think you kids? I think you identified right. I think there's some pent up, and I do think we have a lot of activism <clears throat> from the pandemic discussions. We did have a lot of activism related to how schools are being run, and I think it brought attention to processes. Yeah. So I think clearly that's it. Vouchers for me, at least, came a little out of the blue. It was 14 years ago, and remember the the voters voted on it, uh, and I think it was 62 percent voted against vouchers. Now that was 14 years ago. Um, this felt a little out of the blue. I don't think my criticism, particularly of this bill, is I don't think you started discussion as big as vouchers in the middle of the session unexpectedly. So I think there's a lot of pro cons. I do think the playing field has changed from the last time we spoke of it, but I think it's hard to make a case um, at, at its essence, vouchers do take away from public schools. And so 
and there's nuance. There's so many nuances to that. Yeah. But you have to accept that it decreases the budgets of public schools and is now the time and is now the right place. So I would criticize it for not being a discussion that you have for the first time when the session has started. You start this discussion long before the session starts. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot you have to know about it. And um, obviously, if you're new to the discussion, it would kind of give you scholarship money where you could take it to a school of your choice. And I think Utah, instead of going that route, kind of had a lot more charter schools that have popped up. And the most recent numbers I saw was that there was about 65,000 um, students in the charter school system in Utah, and then another 23,000 in private schools. Should parents have that right to take money that's theirs that they pay into taxes and put it into a school where they want and maybe put them into a private school? Absolutely, 100%. And I'll tell you that, that when last time this was a, a this was passed in the legislature. The kin, the kids, the children that were in kindergarten of that year, these are they have graduated. They're, so we're talking. That's how much time has been passed. a while. But we're in a we're in a climate now where um, we're in our third year of interrupted delivery of education for kids. Uh, seventh graders today, their last normal school year was when they were in fourth grade. Uh, there is so much parental frustration on the delivery of, of education and how much their children they are learning year over year. Uh, you have the mask issue that that persists and, and, and people that, how they feel about that. You've got, you've got critical race theory and, and some of the curriculum that people, that parents are frustrated by. And with all those frustrations really culminating in the last couple of years, you have concerned parents that have shown up at school board meetings where if the item they'd like to talk about is not on their already printed agenda, uh, they aren't allowed to speak about that issue. And in some cases, in some school districts, the police have removed them from the property of the school so with all that said, where does a parent go? What can they do? If you provide backpack funding where that parent can direct the, the resources backpack and dollars. Backpack funding is what the new name for vouchers is. If Ooh, you, I, yeah. I, I'm, this is new to me. Yeah. So if you have dollars that you can direct that, that come with your child that the state is prepared to deliver a, an education for your child and you can take those dollars and direct them to a school that you think is responsive uh, to your concerns and that you think will be more successful in delivering that education to your child – I, I find I find no greater way to for all schools to be accountable than to get to empower parents to that degree. And I think that if this bill passes, I think you'd see school boards and school districts inherently listen a little closer to those concerned parents because they could they for the first time may be able to pick up and go somewhere else. So, and so that's I like it. I like it a lot. Public schools have never been about the students that are in. Uh, that time and the parents that are in that time. It's it's a trust that we have in America to give free and equal education to those who kids until their seven, eight, 12th grade, right? However old they are. So it isn't my taxes. There are many people who don't have children in school who pay this. It's a collective belief that investing in children and their education keeps America strong and healthy and diverse. And so that's the premise and the gift and the offering of education. And I, I I think most parents um, don't pay for the true cost of their education. And so for them to assert that at that moment, at that time, their rights supersede the right of offering everyone a good education. It's I think not a good education, is, though. Is I, incorrect. I, everything you said was right, but here's so the problem. So you think the legislature hasn't funded. Uh, so, but that it's would be funding about problem. funding. No, it's not. You Look, just said that money's going to answer the problem. No, letting them direct resources to a school that will stay open and not just announce at 10 o'clock the night before that so we're going to do So you don't think the learning. state should offer education? I think you think that, it should just I be all portable? I think that our public education system has so abjectly failed these children 
Three years, their education's been interrupted. Three years, we have, we have the data. It's not a theory. These kids are being socially promoted through school without the knowledge and skill set that they needed. It has failed. We used to talk about all-day K. We need to have all-day kindergarten because we have two parents that work or one parent families where they work. We don't have all-day K through 12 anymore. You can stop a school day You can and, and then just say the words remote learning as if that's actually going to appear and work efficiently when the unions and teachers have fought against remote learning, ironically, all these years prior. Remote learning is not an effective delivery of education to these kids, and, they, and, they're, and they're falling behind. Something has to change. I agree, Mar, when you said we, have to, we owe these children a, a public education, and we owe this to them, and there's a collective there that those that don't have children are also paying into it. What happened to the Republican workforce? What happened to the what public happens, assertion that if we funded when, charter when schools, that happening. would save the problem? The Republicans are who doubled down on charter schools and said that this would solve the problem. And have, have think, charter schools I think, failed? I th- we have had a lot of problems any with schools, charter schools I think here so in Utah. Too. Any schools that are failing these kids in, in terms of getting them ready, but I'm telling you that the the idea that you can just stop going to school and remote learn when you I have agree. household I, makeups that just yeah. do not allow for this. But I also think this, COVID can't, it is uh, can't be the reason for vouchers. So I no, agree. And it, I it agree we've failed. The cynicism to, and, the, and the frustration of the public at large. And this is why they need, they feel I like think they need options. I think you and Heidi both well identified the ingredients that have made this conversation necessary and right. Yeah. I just will say something as large as vouchers should not be brought up for the first time three weeks in. Now, you and I have been talking about vouchers forever. Yeah, yeah. But it is, it's a new it, conversation, it's a new conversation a with a new, and let's treat it with the respect that it deserves because it's a major shift in philosophy. And it's unfair to have a shift like this. And what happens when you don't give process time, you get politics. And you get everybody lining up in their corners and shouting the mantras that can be shouted yeah. about pro and anti-voucher. And I, I think there's other ways to go about it, too. Um, I think I've talked about this before, but when we left Florida, and I really felt like my kids were getting a great education there. I don't know that it happens in the entire state, but the county we were in, there had been some lawsuits from decades before making sure that there was equal rights for students so there weren't um, Latin schools or black schools or um, white neighborhood schools where you literally applied like you would to college to your elementary school, your middle school, and high school. Some were art, some were science, and they all got a letter grade. And um, they were accountable to parents because if you didn't like it, you sent them someplace else. You just you didn't send your kids to the neighborhood school. You applied. And so I think that if you were to look at the um, talk about vouchers or charter schools or whatever and really just weigh different ideas, there might be other ways where you could get the same result where your kids could go someplace where you felt like they're getting the education you wanted without having to do the thing where you were pulling funding and I guess making that big question mark where you didn't know who would have money and when. I I don't want to treat COVID like, oh, it's just a one-off and it's such a rare experience. We shouldn't judge our public education system by it. When something like this happens, you really need your schools to, to, to do the right thing and do, to to do right by children. And they failed. They failed so miserably. And and so that's why you have to have these, these parents have to have these options. And I don't think that it's too late. I think that absent this, then what? What would you do? Because there is a narrative going on out there that says, parents, shut up. You don't know what's good for these kids. You don't know what curriculum they should be learning. You don't know anything about your kids or how they should be educated. Step aside. Let us do our job. Okay? That is a, that is a very strong sentiment that's out there. Say that to my wife. Tell my wife she doesn't know a thing about my, She'll ki- my children. She'll mama bear you. 
Yeah, there's well, a I mean, lot I will of just angry. Say, those angry parents who think that they that educate their kids better than the system does, we've always no, allowed for homeschooling. No, and no, they no. should take up that you option didn't, you didn't hear because what I said. if I, they're better not, at educating their children Mara, than the professionals are, Mara, Greg, I'm not they saying, should homeschool. I want you to hear what I said. I did not say they think they can educate their children better or that they should the way they would educate their children is how they'd like them educated. These parents can spot when their kids are not being educated. They can spot when their kids are not progressing forward. That's what they have a problem with. Not that they themselves can do it better, but they know when the system is failing their but child. But that is significantly different than then. Than, and that is what than they them want to change. Surveilling their teachers and getting to choose curriculum. That's about better communications between them, their district, and their. That's not about them choosing what's taught, how it's taught, when oh, it's no, taught. No, but they have. But that's about not, them being heard. They're not seeing that their their child is progressing year over year. They have every right in the world to be concerned about that and want that to change. And that's always been the case. Go teachers. I really am bad at math, and I'm low on patience. I would be a bad teacher. I'd be a horrible yeah. teacher. Okay, so I want to move on, but really quickly on this point, um, Mara, should teachers, um, Senator John Johnson from North Ogden wants um, parents, that is, to have the ability to sue school districts. Sure. Is there reason to do this and... Um, you know, no, something we should consider, no, or this no. going to be frivolous money Making spent. America more litigious is probably not what I'm ever going to vote for. And Isn't that I, part of who we are, though? You can sue <laughs> anyone you want, well, whenever you, you want. Yeah, for sure. But I think this bill gives up on solutions. It gives up on being sophisticated, and it gives up on the process. And I'm not ready to give up on the process. Is this going to cost taxpayers more money if parents can sue their schools and their sure. districts, Greg? No, I think school. I think school districts will be more responsive if they know they're liable. If they're not, they'll have to hire more people. I mean, of course, it'll cost nope. more. I just think they'll. I think they'll just. You think allow, the principal just? I don't fight think it's hard. I don't think it's hard to let parents speak at school board meetings about issues that concern them. I think that's that's a, not that's this a one. This is that's a second bill. This bill is specifically about suing. Yeah, that's the, not about gonna, access. They're going to litigate if they can't have access to that system. And you have found that when we litigate, we do a better job no, getting I, along. No, I think that the existence or the threat of litigation makes people behave better. You do? It's called accountability. When has that worked? Always. Always. It mm -hmm. always works when we litigate with each other yeah, instead I of actually, mediate. Well, no, I'm saying that the prospect <laughs> that there is accountability is so for bad behavior creates a greater... Uh, motivation for good behavior which is actually part of the argument i heard coming out of the legislature today i think it was was it from the house side republicans on uh the death penalty they like i think i don't want to misquote them but i think that's who was saying that it they like keeping the threat there that you know right. maybe you won't kill someone if you sure. think that you're an eye for an eye this old deterrent thing but the, yeah. what we know it of might. deterrence is it works when it's immediate so when you steal if we want to make it legal for machetes off. to cut off your arm at the moment I do think that would be a deterrent. I I I think so. We should litigate. <laughs> we should stop talking on Fridays and rather just pass ourselves legal notices. No, I, you, you can keep finding logical extremes in my comments, but I, you know what I mean. So I'm not even going to take All the right, bait. Greg, I'm you not taking the bait. First dibs on this HOAs. Uh, when people move into <laughs> neighborhoods with an HOA, they sign and seal the document. They move in there knowing they have an HOA. They might like the rules because then they're not going to have a neighbor with a pink house. But now uh, the Utah legislature wants to um, make some decisions so HOAs can't tell you if you have to water your lawn or not, which would be helpful for drought situations, uh, let you have political signs. 
for sale signs. I think that's helpful. I lived in a neighborhood where you couldn't put a for sale sign up or had to get permission for a moving truck. Are these things that the law should take care of or are people making the decision when they move into an HOA and you should just live with it? I just wish people would quit messing up good things. There's a good reason to have a homeowners association and it does keep everything kind of on an even keel. And then you get people that get on these HOAs and they're just becoming like... (laughs) I don't know. They're like Fidel Castro's and, you know, like they never like, got to be just, in charge of anything oh in the world. Goodness. And now they're like, they, my the HOA tried president. to ban uh, campaign signs when I was still a public servant. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, that's like a freedom of speech. I can, if, as long as it's on my, my yard and my property, I can do this. They, they reversed that, that decision. But I think for the right reasons, I, I would hope that neighbors could work all those things out, but they can be too heavy handed. But if you, if you take state statute to deal with HOAs, you, you could weaken them to the point where the value of an HOA, and there is a value to having them, uh, it doesn't have the value anymore. I Look, you just weaken they, them to the point where people are planning the, marigolds. Let the people in the neighborhood rise up and Maybe vote not marigolds, members of their HOA Ooh. board I that are fair. I planted tomatoes in my side yard in Florida once. Yeah. Trouble. Yeah, yeah trouble. But so I don't grow vegetables if I leave my can garbage can out on garbage day and it's like 10 at night, boy, I'm busted. You <laughs> yeah, see you them are. come down on me. They're going to kick my door in. Yeah, it's a tough one. I live in a tough HOA. So, you know, I'm coming from a place where I don't even value curb and gutters. So I'll just out myself there. But (laughs) I'll just say that I think that for some fundamentals, particularly like lawn. So one of the things we found out during the drought is that HOAs preempted state or uh, excuse me um, municipal land use planning in many ways. And so when people said, hey, only water every other day, we had some intense HOAs who said, no, that's not allowed. They're you like, there's not skip. mushrooms growing in that grass. It's not wet and enough. So there is a middle place where maybe they direct that it can be five kinds of landscape, or maybe they're, um, they direct when and how the political signs go up in what part. I do but think- can I have a pride flag? I, well, for me, yes, because I believe that America is about individuality, which you will not see me moving into an HOA because of this. But I do think there are some fundamental things that the HOA can't supersede sort of land use planning on behalf of the cities and maybe some freedom expression issues. And I think they could choose, the HOA could maybe choose how they want those acts of individualism to be displayed. But I do think we're running into more routine problems with severe HOA regulations butting up against policies. I will say it's pretty easy for me to defend uh, that an HOA cannot trump uh, local ordinances or or they are or yeah so yeah. I, I think that's gone to, that's a that's a bridge a bridge too far. and if you far, lost yes. your fifth grade election just say you know Let bygones uh, be bygones be a nice neighbor maybe uh, help and serve on the HOA <laughs> but don't take over like your plan uh, the local freedom festival yes. instead don't yeah. be psycho <laughs> they are. So- they are notoriously uh, heavy-handed, these HOAs. That's oh, true. I have so many issues I want to talk to you in so little time. Uh, limiting media access, I want to bring this up because I, I love I think that part. That it's whatever so important for the media to talk about this. Whatever that topic is, I didn't this. see this subject, but I um, love that. This is sponsored by Senator Mike McKell, um, a Republican out of Spanish work. You might know him. He, um, I think, has said that you know maybe there's some misunderstandings, but... He wants to make it clear that a credentialed journalist cannot enter the Senate floor unless they receive permission from a Senate media official and follow, quote, applicable dress requirements on the floor and other non-public areas of the Senate, such as the chamber, the halls, the lounge. Journalists would also be limited to entering for the purpose of conducting a specific interview. Now, as someone who knows it's not easy to get an interview, 
if you don't have access to the floor and you don't have access in between votes to walk in there and be like, hey, what's going up? And you don't have a specific appointment. It really fetters access in my mind. Greg, is this, I mean, you've obviously worked in the legislature trying to keep control of things. You obviously don't want like a wild circus on the floor of the house there. But is this going to shut off the ability for the media to ask pertinent questions to lawmakers who could otherwise hide in hallways and staircases and back rooms where they don't have to talk? Yeah, I, I think there's a happy medium here. Medium here, You can, um, the, there's hallways adjacent to the chambers in the House and Senate. Uh, there is a process to be credentialed to be the media. That there, and there's some process to determine that it's just not someone that just wants to anoint themselves a member of the media. So they look into it and make sure that the credentials, because you are going to get access that the public just doesn't automatically have, that's all good. Um, I think that the dress requirement on how you're supposed to be on the floor, I actually like that part as well. Um, I, I just think that it ought to ought not interrupt the flow or some of the the, the processes of, of, the, of what they're doing on the House and Senate floor. But if, they, if they're not allowed on the floor – and they have the credentials, and they're in the interior hallways, which are not public, by the way. Uh, standing in those in interior hallways waiting for an interview would probably be the better place to be able to ask those questions than on the floor of the, the Senate or the House. So I think that it, they, they, if, they have, if the media has access to those areas that are not public – we, we've done our job, and we've made sure there's good uh, availability and accessibility. I'm a little suspicious of this being a solution looking for a problem. I have not – we are not known for having a particularly aggressive press where it is just like, whoa, wow, those guys are intense. Now, the grass dress code, I, I don't really get, but fine. But I, I really <laughs> want to do some investigative journalism and figure out who they're talking about, what guy wore shorts and Especially you now that Rod Decker's not there because he used to do his live shot while we were on the floor from the – gallery yeah and it was like rod was standing right next to me on the dais rod i can hear i'm just watching him in the gallery i can hear every word there's like so that's a good point his low voice though that's a good point like if it's distracting i get it but i'm not quite sure i'm aware that this is solving a problem and so therefore i get a little suspicious that it's just protectionist and I would always default on the so side cynical. of media access. Well, I'm just so pro cynical? media access. I am too. I, I just, I just I don't, done my answer. I don't know was why. All well, there is no access. problem. So then I'm like, what happened? Who? Where did there they? There must have been a problem. They, the problem was somebody overheard somebody something saying something they shouldn't have said. <laughs> so the thing should be that they shouldn't have said it. But like, why? What access? Sunlight, daylight is always good. I always love that too. And you should just be careful of what you say then. But I did That's see right. a couple stories come out of the legislative session. Um, where conversations were overheard. So if you're in public, act like Don't you're have those a news anchor. If your mic is on, it's always hot, uh, even if you're in between shows or whatever. You just got to be careful of what you say. So I've I've been a victim of that. Of being overheard? Yeah. yeah or or speaking into the, the mic. Mo- <laughs> speaking in the heat of the moment to a reporter and saying something that I really wish I could have not said. That's, so you're like that's President why they Biden miss you. that calls people... I said, I, I, yeah, I, I, I might have been a swear bear. Mm. It was mm. heard. So, but anyway. You I, should learn to talk quieter. I'm a loud talker myself. I have no secrets. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I feel uh, like there's so much to talk about in so little time. So next week, we're going to have to talk more about um, if we get anywhere with the food sales tax. I know that a lot of people at home are very much behind this, but a lot of people who actually work inside of the Capitol there, not so can much. Can we just do one quick one that you have yeah. at the end, and it's um, mental health for first responders. We do have to give I'll a just, round of applause for this. I'll just say one caveat to this. What we have found is that if you're going to give mental health to first responders, you also need to make sure that whatever department that is, they have access to their officers in which the, their up channel, their boss doesn't know. Yes, it because can be out of the their peer pressure command. is why um, first responders are not accessing mental health and just the oh, culture. And it's not cool. a it's not a bad culture. It's just it's you're the strong one, right? And so to ask for some help well, is when, hard when they want to be sissies and they so, want to cry to somebody because like of if, people like, that like Greg, mother who have so, no balance. Can't grit it out. You stop I know, this. but listen, you stop right now. If you have a real problem, playing, though, I was being the pers- very person you were talking but about. But I will say, when it comes, lots of departments in Utah have done this correctly. So I'm yeah. not pointing fingers, but just I would love a little addition to the bill that says you need a peer support group and that's usually what they're called in departments and you can as an officer you can access that and they never report it to your sergeant or your lieutenant or your chief or whoever and I think it's really important that you can go get the mental health support you need without feeling like anyone knows about it because that's a huge barrier to accessing mental health. Yeah especially if you're a police officer and let's say you know you've got you know you're a your gun and your badge, and if yeah. you go admit that you might have some mental health problems, that you're stressed. That, yeah. yeah, they stick behind your desk, they take your gun away, and then it only makes matters worse yeah. because you're not doing your job. You know, you can't yeah. be doing what you so want. So let's just make sure they can do this with privacy, and then I think the money will be well spent. I am all about medical privacy. All about it. Amen. And yes. freedom. Medical freedom and medical freedom. privacy. Your body, your choice. Yes, and there right. are a couple bills I'm that are so going through the that. legislative session. There's another one I'm watching for that will hopefully change that for doctors as well, where they can go get help and not have to actually tell their own doctor right. group or their you, hospitals. You've put a face to that. that yeah, story, so that's coming so that's up. Um, I'm watching that one closely. So we will talk more about that in the days and weeks to come. I'm glad that you've been with <laughs> listening. Tell your friends about us. Come hang out with us. And... Um, be careful with your rock stars because you never know what they're going to do hate, to your health. You know what I hate? Please I tell hate, me. Uh, catheters and kidney stones. Those are the two things I hate the most in mm. life. Wow. Yep. I have Just a couple so other know. things on my list. Nope. I'll, I'll list them next week. <laughs> it became week. crystal clear. That's what I hate. <laughs> catheters and kidney stones, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.